friend, you're listening to Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. Each week, I'll bring you inspiration, motivation, and empowering learnings to help you navigate life's unexpected terrains. I believe that the more we know, the faster we grow. So each week, I'll be teaching high-level coaching concepts that you can apply to your real life. Here's to accomplishing big dreams, believing in your inner champion, and living a life filled with ease and joy. Like all navigational tools in the 21st century, I fit right in your pocket. I'm a life coach in your pocket. Happy listening! Hey there, friend. Welcome back to another episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. I am super excited to bring you this episode. Today's episode is all about finding your purpose. How do you know that you've found what you're meant to do in your life? How do you know that you're on the course to fulfilling your destiny? Well, stay tuned because I'm going to demystify how to know that you're living your purpose on today's episode. Now, the reason why I felt really compelled to do this episode is because I got a question from a friend on my Instagram inbox and she was asking me, how did I know that I had found my thing, my purpose? Because from her perspective of me, I was living and fulfilling my destiny as a life coach. And I can see why she believes that because I'm very happy doing what I'm doing. I'm very fulfilled doing what I'm doing. And so she was asking me, how do you know when you have found that thing? She and I had a very compelling, interesting conversation on Instagram about her feeling like she's tried all of these different things in life and isn't really sure that she's found the thing in life. And so if you're listening to this and you've ever wondered, what is the thing that I'm supposed to be doing? The destiny that I'm supposed to fulfill? My purpose, if you will. I want to chunk that down today and give you clear, actionable steps so you can fully understand what it is that not only A, you want to be doing with your life, but B, you're meant to do with your life, and C, brings you the most joy possible when you are lit up because you have found what makes you happy and you have found what you are meant to give to the world. Here's the thing. There is a very small percentage of people that know exactly what they want to do with their life from a very young age. My uncle is one of these people and I have heard stories about my uncle my whole entire life growing up. I would hear them from my grandma, from his mom, about how from the time he was four years old, he used to run around the house with his arms outstretched horizontally and he would go around going, vroom, vroom, I'm an airplane. And then when he got older, he was adamant, I'm going to grow up and become a commercial airline pilot. And that is exactly what he did. He had a very successful career as a pilot for 40 some odd years and has since now retired. That is rare, ladies and gentlemen. So if that's not your story, tune in to today's episode because that doesn't have to be your story. More often than not, people go through life trying different things on and trying to figure out what is the thing that they are meant to do 
Or sometimes what happens is people dedicate 10, 15, 20 years to something and then wake up one day and say, huh, I don't know if this is what I'm supposed to be doing anymore. I'm ready to shift. But I don't exactly know what I'm supposed to be doing on the other side because I've been doing the same thing for 10, 15, 20 years. Now what? Well, I'm talking to you also. So whether you're the person that just doesn't know exactly what your thing is, the thing that you're meant to do, or you're the person that's ready to shift gears. First, I want to start off by debunking a common misperception about purpose. And that is this idea that what we do is essentially who we are. That those are synonymous. I'm going to say that again. This is not true that what we do is who we are. I'm going to explain this. You've heard me share my story before about feeling lost in life, but I'm not sure actually if I've shared for just how long in my life I felt lost. I was one of those kids in high school that wanted to do everything, and because I wanted to do everything, I just did like a little teeny tiny bit of everything because... I couldn't dedicate all of my time to one thing. So to give you an example, I was in like the drama club, but I only was in the drama club for one semester. And then I was in the choir, but I was only in the choir for one semester. And then I tried out for cheerleading, but decided I couldn't make it to all of the practices. I wanted to do band, but that conflicted with my ice skating practices in the morning before school. I was in leadership, but I only did that for one semester. I really wanted to take all of the art classes, but I didn't have time, so I took two art classes. I really wanted to be a dancer, but I didn't have time, so I only took two dance classes. You get the picture. This was me, like, my whole entire life. I had a million interests and only so many hours in the day. Well, this became very discouraging and disheartening when it came time to choose a major in college because I had absolutely no freaking clue what to do to narrow down my interests and declare one major. In fact, when I was in college, I changed my major four different times. And I still settled on one that was okay for me. So I first declared that I was going to be an art major, that I was going to study art and art history, and I was going to become an artist. And then I didn't know if that was realistic or not. So then I changed my major to kinesiology because I was an ice skater and my coach majored in kinesiology. And I thought, that's a great idea. I'll study kinesiology and um, I'll be an athletic coach. And then I thought, well, I don't know, because I could be an athletic coach without this degree. Maybe I should do something that's more diverse. So then I changed my major to Spanish. And I was like, this is it. This is amazing. This is going to open so many doors for me. I'm going to study Spanish. I could really do anything as long as I'm bilingual. But the more I thought about it, the more I started to worry that... I actually wasn't on the right career path and I changed my major again to English. Why? Because writing for me was really easy. And I'm not kidding, you guys. I changed my major to English so I could get an easy A and I could breeze through college and figure it out when I got to the other side of college. But there was just one problem with that. I got to the other side of college and I still 
didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Well, having studied English and English literature, I decided that I would teach English for a while and see if I liked it, see if that's what I was meant to do. And again, figured I'll just get through this and I'll figure it out on the other side. Well, from here, you've probably heard my story. I taught English for one year and was completely overwhelmed by the amount of work. So then I changed from being an English teacher to being an art teacher. And I did that for five years, maybe six years. I lost track of time. And at that time, I was building a fitness business to get me out of the classroom, essentially, is what I was trying to do. The bottom line is, my whole entire life, I was never certain that I had found the thing that I was supposed to be doing. And I would beg God, just tell me, what is my purpose? What is the thing that I am supposed to be doing with my life? Because I don't know what it is. I've honestly had so many careers, I completely left one out. I forgot to tell you about the time, and this is important. There was a time when I was studying to be a children's pastor. In the timeline of things, this was after I graduated with an English degree, but before I went back to school to get my English credential, I pursued working at a church. That was kind of my first career path. Oh, I think I will do this. Now, my brother at the time was a missionary, and I thought, oh, wow, how cool. I want to do that too. I want to dedicate my life to being in ministry. This is an important part of the story because a year and a half into my Bible studies, my brother was going on a missions trip, and he was going to take a team of college-age students with him on this mission and you had to apply and all this and that and I wasn't that good at that time in my life about speaking up for my wants and needs and I feared a lot of the time I feared rejection and I basically lived my life kind of avoiding rejection but I got a wild hair one time and decided you know what I really would like to go on that trip and I'm just gonna ask my brother and he, if he laughs in my face, he laughs in my face. It's okay. So I like got up the courage. It was like, you would have thought I was drunk or something. I was just drunk with courage. And I texted him and I said, hey, hey, how are you? I might be interested in filling out that application to maybe go with you. Let me know what you think. Okay, thanks. Bye. And then I threw my phone across the room. I took a deep breath and I was like, okay, even if he says no, it's okay. Because I at least built up the courage and asked him and whatever. That's all I can do, right? That's all we can do is just ask. Well, this is an important part of the story because my brother responded and said, oh my gosh, I would love it if you would come. That would be amazing to have you on this trip. I can't believe you want to go. I'm so excited. So there's a mini lesson inside of this lesson, which is just ask. You don't know until you put yourself out there and ask. I attribute most of all of my success from just putting myself out there and asking crazy outlandish questions to people when I'm like 80% sure they're going to say no. But I ask anyway. That has actually gotten me really far in life. I attribute most of my success from just asking people questions. Hey, can I be a guest on your podcast? Hey, can I come and speak on your stage? Hey, I see you have a very successful business. Can I come and write some content for you? 
hey, you're a coaching company. I would love to come and be a coach inside your coaching company. All you have to do is put yourself out there and ask. And if you get a no, you forget. But by the time another opportunity comes along, you forget about the people who have said no because you've just been redirected to a better opportunity. So that was my mini lesson inside of the lesson. Just ask people. Put yourself out there and say, this is what I'm doing. This is what I want to do. Hey, can I come and do it with you? And the right people will say yes. And to do this, I understand. You need a clear understanding of what you are doing. So let's get back to what we started talking about, which is how do you know your purpose? So I went on this trip with my brother. And at that time, I was in Bible college. And I was working as an intern as a children's pastor. And I pretty much knew that when I got home from this mission trip that I was going to be offered the children's pastor position at my church because the children's pastors were going to be promoted. And they had told me this and were kind of grooming me to come up through the ranks and be the next children's pastor. Well, I went on this missions trip with my brother and with a whole team of people. And obviously the focus of the missions trip was on outreach. But there were times when we were able to focus on ourselves and our lives and have these conversations. And my brother happened to be the leader of the whole team. And one afternoon, I got him to myself and I kind of unloaded what I was feeling, which was completely lost. Because here I should have been so excited to come home and be given the opportunity to step up and become the children's pastor of the church. And instead of feeling excited about this or honored or blessed, I felt completely unsettled. I don't know how else to explain this feeling, but when you know something's not right, that's the feeling that I had was like, I should be so excited about this, but I'm not. I don't feel right about this. And I explained this feeling to my brother. And at this time, I was like on the verge of tears because I was so confused. And I'm like, I told him exactly what I told you, which was, I just want God to speak from heaven and say, this is what you're meant to be doing with your life. Do it. Or this is not what you're meant to be doing with your life. Let me redirect you. And instead... Every time I prayed about it, I heard complete silence. And this was very frustrating. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. My brother, who listened to me go on and on and on and on, finally just took a deep breath. And he said, you know, I think a lot of times we expect our life to be a straight path. We expect that we have a calling or a mission or one destiny And it's our job to discover that path. And once we discover that path, we run ahead full speed. And that's it for us. And then he said, I think the reason why we feel this is because in the Bible, there are a lot of people who hear directly from God. You are to do this. And We see examples of people getting up in the middle of the night and pursuing their mission because God spoke from heaven. He said, but do you know how many more examples there are of people who are not given a clear direction? There are many, many, many more people who are not told audibly what they are supposed to be doing with their life. 
He said, I think we're wrong. I don't think our life is a straight path that we're meant to find in the dark with a small flashlight. He said, I don't think God's will is like that at all. And this, at this point in the story, I'm completely confused because I'd always seen my life as being some straight, small path in the dark that I was meant to discover. And so I asked, and I said, if it's not a destiny, then what is it? And he said, what if it isn't a path at all, but instead is a field? And inside the field, we have massive amounts of room to play and wonder and explore and reap and sow. He said, there's boundaries around the field, and those are very clear. Those boundaries are very clearly laid out to us. But what we do inside of those boundaries, that's up to us to choose. And that one metaphor completely changed my life because I realized for the first time that I could choose. And instead of this being a very stressful thing that I had to figure out what my destiny was, I had empowerment choices now. So after that trip, I went home, I met with the children's pastors, and I said, I'm so honored that you've asked me to do this, but it doesn't feel right. It doesn't sit right with me, and I have to figure out what else I can do with my life because this isn't it. This doesn't excite me the way that it excites you. I have to figure out what excites me. And that still took me a long time to figure out because like I said, this was before I went back to school to get my teaching credential. And I taught for seven years after that. Things really came to a head for me in 2017. And now I'm going to lay out the strategies that led me on the path to doing what I absolutely love doing every single day, which is life coaching. And when you apply the tools that I'm about to give you, you can absolutely figure out overnight what you want to be doing with your life next. In 2017, I was still feeling like I hadn't found that thing yet. But I was on a mission to figure it out. And so I went to this coaching conference. I wasn't a life coach. I wasn't even interested in becoming a life coach. I went to this coaching conference to discover what I wanted to do with my life. And I wanted help to get there. Because I felt completely overwhelmed in my own life. And there were many, many speakers. And I'm sure there were hundreds of lessons. But the one that stuck out to me that I can still clearly remember sitting in that seat and hearing this for the first time and going, oh my gosh, yes, this makes sense, was a lesson called Be, Have, Do. And essentially, what the speaker said was that in our culture, we have it backwards. We do, do, have, be. And that sounds like this. We figure out what we are supposed to be doing with our lives so that we can have things in our life that we want to have and essentially become successful, become whatever that title is that we want, that we're going after. We do the hard work so we can have all the things and then we can be our idea of success. We do, we have, and we be. He said, but that is backward completely and utterly backward it's not do have be it's be 
have, do. And it sounds like this. Figure out your character, who you are on the inside. What are the qualities and the characteristics and the adjectives that describe you as a person? That is your essence. That is your way of being. Embody your way of being. Because in our culture, we have it twisted. We have what I do is essentially who I am. And that is backwards. First, we have to figure out who we are on the inside. We have to separate these concepts of what I do with my time and energy to make money and who I am as a person. These are not the same. These are completely different ideas. Who are you without all of the labels and without all of the titles and without the business card? What are the qualities and characteristics and the essence of who you are? Be that person. Once you discover who that person is, you will have everything that it takes. Now, have means two different things. Have it means you already have all that you need inside of you. You have the answers inside of you. You have the courage. You have the confidence. You have the knowledge to do whatever it is that you want to do. You also try on this mentality That anything that you want out in the world, if you already show up in life, like you already have it, you already have the rights to that item, that materialistic thing, that home, that Ferrari, that job, that title, whatever, show up as if you already have it. Because in your future timeline, you do already have it because of the character in who you are was put in its proper place. So you will have everything that you want, whether it's present or future tense. And lastly, when you know who you are and you show up in the world that you have all of the answers inside of you already, then you will figure out what to do with your time. Only then do you take the inspired action step from the knowledge of who you are and that you have everything that it takes already inside you now this concept is called be have do all you need to do if you're listening to take notes to figure this out on your own the very first step is to sit down write your name at the top of a piece of paper and write down all of the character attributes that make you who you are all of the adjectives that you embody You can also add in adjectives that you want to embody, that you feel are areas of growth for you, but you want to become those, you want to evolve that area of your life, write those ones down too. Because once you write it down and you show up as if you already have it, you will absolutely grow in that area. Now, I know some of you are thinking ahead and you're like, great, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to figure out who I am and what I have already inside me. But... How does that help me figure out the do part? I got you. Listen up because I'm going to give you another exercise to support you in figuring out what you're doing. This is called a 3S strategy. And this 3S strategy is how I figured out that I wanted to be a life coach and I have never looked back and I have been so completely happy and fulfilled. So if you do this exercise, I promise it will yield results. The key thing is... You just have to do it. (laughs) So simple. But you're going to have to sit down with a piece of paper and a pen. The very first thing you're going to do in this 3S strategy exercise is story. You are going to write your story from start to finish. Now, 
There's no guidelines on how long this exercise is going to take or how long the document should be or how much time should you write for. None of that is important. That's all of your conscious mind trying to figure out the how. All I'm asking you to do is sit down, put pen to paper, and let yourself begin to unconsciously write out your life story. I want you to focus on the significant emotional events in your life. These significant emotional events can be dark times in your life. They can also be high mountaintop experiences in your life. So when I sat down to do this, I didn't really start at birth because for me personally, I didn't have any significant emotional events until second grade. So I started with second grade. I wrote down some significant emotional events that happened to me in second grade and then some more that happened to me in fourth grade and then some that happened in sixth grade, some that happened in high school, some that happened in college until I got to the end. So some years I skipped over because those weren't significant to me or I didn't have strong memories or core memories from those years. So just sit down and kind of write out the core memories. You've finished part one. You have finished your story and you're ready to move on to the second S, which is stance. So what you're going to do now that you've written your story is you're going to go back through and you're going to read your story over once, twice, three times, and you're going to look for patterns in your story. These patterns are going to become so clear once you actually write out your story. It's very ambiguous until you sit down, put pen to paper, and actually write out your story. When you go back through and you read it, it's clear as day. And you're like, OMG, there's a pattern here. I didn't even see it, and now I see it. Once you find the pattern in your story, you're going to look for something in your story that pisses you off. Bear with me for a second. This is going to make sense. I know I'm a positive mindset life coach and all of that. And I'm telling you to get pissed off about your story. So you're going to look for the pattern in your story that really ticks you off, gets you fired up. And then you're going to take a stand against something that happened to you or you are going to take a stand for something that you wish would have happened to you or for you. This is going to become your stance. You're going to take a stand for or a stand against something. And I'll give you an example from my story and my stance before we move into the third S. So in doing this exercise, and yes, I really did do this exercise at a life coaching conference and it changed my life. I wrote out my story. We only had 20 minutes just to give you some guideline, like some boundary. We had 20 minutes and we were not told, you know, what to do or how much to write. We were told you have 20 minutes, you have to be back but in seat in 20 minutes. So I went, I wrote as fast as I could. And after I wrote as fast as I could, I read through my story. And you know what I found? I found that there were many, many, many times in my life where I wanted somebody to stand up and say, you can absolutely do that thing, Rachel. You absolutely have what it takes to do that. Go after it. Go after that dream. You're capable. You're successful. You've got this. But nowhere in my story did I feel that I had that. Doesn't mean I didn't have great parents. It doesn't mean I didn't have people in my corner. I'm not saying that. It just wasn't told to me directly in the way that I needed it. I always felt like anytime I talked about my ice skating dreams or my dreams to be a business owner, it was met with mm, raised eyebrows. And what I really wanted instead was 
Wow, that's amazing. You can do anything. Why don't you go ahead and get your butt on the ice and start practicing? And that's what I really wanted and needed, and I didn't have that in the way that I needed it. Now, again, had great parents. They did the best that they could by me. That's not what we're here to talk about. There will be something in your story that is lacking or something in your story that happened to you that ticks you off. That, my friend, is your stance. What do you want to take a stand for? So in me and looking at my story, I was like, oh my gosh, it pisses me off when I hear people doubt other people's dreams. When someone else rains on your parade, that pisses me off to no end. So what do I want to take a stand for? I want to take a stand for people believing that they can do whatever they want to do with their life. That's my purpose. Once I have my purpose, which is found in my stance, which my stance is found in my story, only then can I move to the third S, which is strategy. Now, strategy is where people try to start. They try to start with the doing. What should I be doing? What strategy should I be implementing? But this is backwards. How can you know what you should be doing or what strategy you should be implementing if you don't know your mission statement, if you don't have a stance? And not only that, strategy is the least important of the three S's. Because once you know your purpose, once you know your stance, which becomes your mission statement, how you go about accomplishing that mission in the world does not matter. When you know who you are, all of the qualities and characteristics of who you are, and you know what your purpose is, that's all you need. So now that I know my character, the qualities and characteristics that make me who I am, and I also know that my mission in life is to teach people that they can do whatever it is that they want to do in their life, as long as they're clear on that, that doesn't matter now if I call myself a life coach, a teacher, a mentor, an ice skating coach. It doesn't matter where I am or what I'm doing with my voice in my hands. As long as I know what my purpose is, that's why the strategy has to come last. So what I want you to take away from this podcast is I want you to take a sigh of relief that it's not going to take you years to figure out your purpose or that it's some mystic target that you'll never be able to hit. No. Your life is a field, not a path. Your strategy is whatever you want it to be within the field, within this purpose that was given to you in your story. So once you write out your story and your stance, you can do whatever you want to do. So in summary, be, have, do. Put who you are at the beginning of the equation. Step one, write your name at the top of a paper and write down all of the adjectives, the qualities, and the characteristics that make you who you are. Show up in the world as you already have everything you need to succeed inside you already. Step two, write out your story from beginning to end, focusing on the significant emotional events in your life. Step three, go back and read through that story, finding what pisses you off. Step four, write what pisses you off in the form of a stance. What do you want to take a stand for? Step five, last but not least, brainstorm a list of possible strategies that can move your mission forward in life. 
I hope that you have found this episode so helpful in clarifying for you how exactly to tap into your purpose without becoming overwhelmed by that huge word, destiny. You have everything you need in order to make a difference in this world. Now go do it. Remember, life is a journey and you're in the driver's seat. I'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, or if you're looking to get involved in one of my coaching programs, you can reach me directly at coachrachelbailey.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.